the other side of midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. Well, this is some good news not only for my wife and me and probably most important, our son and any future children we might have. But this is great news for every New Yorker. We learned this week that nearly every restroom inside a New York City public park is expected to have a diaper changing station within the next four years thanks to a vote by the city council on Tuesday. This is the latest step that the legislators are taking to make city parks more accessible and convenient for visitors. This is one of those things that you never really think about until you're a parent, but we uh, take Carmine to the park quite a bit. We're fortunate enough to have a number of great parks in our neighborhood. In fact, we live in a borough whose nickname is the Borough of Parks because there are so many. But when we need to change him, a lot of times it's a total crapshoot at, pardon the pun, in terms of whether the restroom in that park has a changing table or not. And if there's no changing table, it can become very, very difficult. So it's no surprise to me that this passed 49 to 0. City law already requires changing stations be installed in bathrooms in new or recently renovated public spaces. This new bill, all it does is extend that protection to existing parks as well. There are 1,700 parks, playgrounds, and recreational centers spread across the five boroughs. Uh, More More than half of the roughly 1,400 public park bathrooms have diaper-changing stations already. So this is not undoable. This will not create an undue burden for the Parks Department or anyone else over the next four years. I'm glad to see it happen. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. Well, I learned some sad news a little more than an hour ago. I learned that uh, John Darty, the longest-serving sanitation commissioner in New York City's history, has passed away. Uh, he closed out a 54-year career when he retired in 2014. And this man was a legend. In his office, while he was commissioner, he kept a century-old pith helmet on a shelf, a relic of the White Wings, the first uniformed army charged with cleaning the city's streets. His career with sanitation spanned not only 54 years, but eight mayors, one interrupted retirement when he just missed the job so much he wanted to come back and snowstorm after snowstorm he was asked to stay on by mayor bill de blasio he had wanted to retire at the beginning of de blasio's term and in his 70s sure enough he did a great job in that first year of the de blasio administration i believe he was either 84 or 85 years old this is a man that ate breathed and slept all things related to sanitation he loved picking up garbage. He sounded like a trash man. He loved getting rid of snow. He started as a sanitation worker in 1960 and had two different stints 
as commissioner was appointed by Mayor Giuliani, was appointed by Mayor Bloomberg, and was appointed by uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio. He's an amazing man, a guy that loved getting up early to fight snowstorms, a guy that did it better than anybody. And if you listen to the men that talk about him, the chiefs, both recently retired and still on the job in the Department of Sanitation now, they talk about him almost as if he should be on the Mount Rushmore of garbage. And if you ever spoke to him, which I had the privilege to do many times, he was someone whose passion was evident whenever he was talking about the job. He was not looking to be mayor one day or fire commissioner one day. The only thing he wanted to do was be sanitation commissioner. I always said that if I was ever elected mayor, the first thing I would do would be to hire John Doherty as sanitation commissioner. I got news for you. Heaven is going to have no problem with snowstorms from now on. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. One quick programming note I want to make you aware of. In about three and a half hours, I will be appearing on the Sid and Friends in the Morning Show with my friend Sid Rosenberg. I'm going to be on at 640, so I hope you will tune in. And I would really appreciate it if you would tune in online because they pay pretty close attention to those streaming numbers. So I'm going to be on at 640. Listen, even if you traditionally listen on the radio at WABCradio.com or through the 77 WABC app. I don't know what we're talking about. I am hoping one of the things that we can talk about is the fact that we've learned that the judge overseeing Donald Trump's criminal case in Manhattan, Judge Juan Mershon, actually donated $35 to Democratic causes in 2020, including $15 to President Biden's campaign and $10 to a group dedicated to resisting Donald Trump's radical right-wing legacy. Now, for starters, I don't know how he can be a Objective when he's on record giving money to the person who ran against the person whose trial he's now going to be overseeing. It is a total conflict of interest, and he ought to do the right thing and recuse himself. But beyond that, this is a violation of the New York State Code of Judicial Ethics. So what I'm going to be doing today is I'm going to be filing a formal complaint with the Office of Court Administration and the administrative judge in the court in which Judge Mershon serves asking that he be disciplined for violating the rules of judicial conduct. And this has nothing to do with standing up for Donald Trump or Republicans or anything like that. This has to do with the fact that I, as a taxpayer, pay this guy's salary. I have a lot of friends that are judges, and when I host a fundraiser for a a politician, they're not able to come. They're not able to make a donation unless they're running for office that year, then they can come. They're not able to make a donation because it's against the rules. Why should all of them have to follow the rules but not Judge Mershon? Especially Especially if he's going to handle a case of this magnitude. This stinks, and I'm going to make my voice heard to the Office of Court Administration on it. Beam me up! To be continued. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Good. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 
News. Local Spotlight. Well, for the first time in a long, long time, I find myself in complete agreement on something with the state Senate Majority Leader Andrea Stewart-Cousins, although we got there for completely different reasons. She said yesterday that she supports amending the state constitution to eliminate a panel that's charged with vetting picks to New York's highest court. And I called for this. If you remember one of my local commentaries about two or three months ago, I called for exactly this. Now, I called for it because I didn't think it was right that the governor was limited to only the recommendations of the Commission on Judicial Nominations. And I recognize that this is a pretty nonpartisan group and they come up with a merit-based group of judges for the governor to pick from. But my view is you're the governor. You should have a pick of any eligible judge in the entire state. And if the Senate wants to vote that pick down, let them vote it down. Now, the reason Andrea Stewart-Cousins is opposed to this is because she doesn't like the fact that they came up with Hector LaSalle as one of their picks in the last round. So this commission was empowered by a 1977 constitutional amendment to compile a list of qualified candidates. Look, there's no reason the governor can't have his or her own screening panel and have that panel make recommendations. But ultimately, the governor should have the same freedom to pick whomever they'd like, just as the president does on a federal level. And that would allow people to run for governor in part on a platform of picking a certain type of judge to sit on the court of appeals. And ultimately, the voters can be the ones to hold the governor accountable. Now, if the people don't like who the governor picks, that governor can always blame it on the Commission on Judicial Nominations. This creates a little bit more accountability. And uh, I am all for this, but for completely opposite reasons, as Senator Stewart Cousins is. Beam me up! To be continued.